Looking to make your ideas come to life? Because ideas can never die, you want to ensure that you are working with a skilled professional who can take your vision from abstract to reality. Let me introduce you to Darius Corey Designs. Darius is a graphic designer, illustrator, and photographer who has worked with clients ranging from large corporations to newly married couples just looking to memorialize their nuptial ceremony. From portraiture to logos and comic book illustrations, Darius uses his talents and passion to bring even the most vague ideas to fruition. Get in touch with Darius today at www.dariuscorey.com. That's D-A-R-I-U-S-C-O-R-R-Y.com or via email at Darius at DariusCorey.com. That's D-A-R-I-U-S at DariusCorey.com. Mention this ad and get 20% off your first order. Please support our sponsors the way they support this podcast and let them know you heard about it at Across the Intersection. Some of people's one time. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, we thank you for rocking with us again. This is Across the Intersection Podcast. This is AJ. We got a full house in here, so you know, I guess I leave them hanging for two weeks. Everybody's ready to rock and roll. So I got Avery, got Eve, got Dan in the building. Hello. Hey, you guys. What's up? So it's been a couple weeks since we recorded again. That's my fault. I maybe I do too much knowing traveling. I guess I don't. I don't know. But we are back in the building again. Um, and as always, you can follow us on social media. We are on Twitter at Across This, as um, as well as Facebook Across the Intersection. Um, even shoot us an email atipc at outlook If you want to email us something, that's fine too. Um, always hit us up individually, um, and we will give you the feedback, or we'll ignore you, or something. But at least you get to mm-hmm. exercise your freedom of speech. Um, I am at Divinimus on Twitter, D I V E N O M O U S. Also on Facebook and the Gram at Divinimus on both of those. I do not have Twitter. Uh, you can hit me up on Facebook, my name Daniel Unger, or you can uh, check out my blog at www www.diaryofaredeemcenter.wordpress.com What do you have against Twitter, Daniel? Uh, come on, let's just, let's <laughs> just admit it. I, I just haven't got it with it yet. <laughs> Two little characters, huh? <laughs> yeah, it takes, a, it takes a while to get used to that 140, I think. Although I was reading something that Twitter's going to change it to like 280. Did, did, did y'all see that? They I were they were experimenting change. with the beta. I don't know how. About, so, I don't know about that. We'll see how that turns out. Well, Dan, it would make sense that you're not on Twitter because you would not be able to uh, tweet your domain name because your domain name is like <laughs> a thousand characters long. I, I don't think I, I think it it doesn't fit into Twitter's uh, terms of use. <laughs> Speaking of Twitter, this is Eve. I'm at e to the v to the e. Yeah, and uh, you can. Get at Avery at a very good idea on Twitter. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I've been out. I've been out and about. Uh, I was out of town last week. I was in uh, Texas visiting some friends and uh, had a you know, speaking. We had a it was like a little like a little small mini conference, and so um, I was just sharing on some stuff. And then uh, now I'm back. So tell us about the conference, AJ. Um, trying to be humble. <laughs> Um, 
what do I what do I want to say that won't take us off on a tangent here? This, this right. is the introductions. What's been going on with you lately? Part so well, you know. in the you know one of the things that we just discussed in in the conference is you know how the the body of Christ you know is are transitioning from a theoretical place into more of a practical mobilization type. You know where the things that we think you know we have to kind of move out of the theoretical you know a lot of times christians love being theoretical and stuff and sitting down and yeah and this is what the scriptures say about but how does that actually look in 2017 how do we how do we assemble corporately you know the the corporate man the corporate body of christ and how does that look put into action and so we spend a lot of time just you know d discussing that we you know discussing assembly you know, as opposed to connecting, but to actually being assembled as the, as the body, and then transitioning from the theoretical to the more practical and applicable. Um, yeah. So. Do you think ultimately people are just going to get rid of the steeples and get rid of the stained glass and just do what Christ did, which is walk, you know, around and and uh, and do the heal the work of the healing and the sending out two by two and the actual boots on ground. So you not see that's why you you wanted to give me you just give me, me a yes just you give me a me yes or no first of all <clears throat> no I don't think people are going to get rid of the steeples I think that the steeples will be made we will be made to get rid of them. yeah I was just about yeah. to say that because you can't afford them <laughs> yeah so, <laughs> so I, that article yeah. that was posted about that church uh, that oh, mega yeah, church yeah, yeah. that had to close their doors because the they they defaulted on their mortgage so the Ooh, bank came in uh -huh. yeah it was a it was a black church unfortunately oh. it was in connecticut i believe it yes, was it was up north yeah so we're we're gonna be made i think the the scripture will be fulfilled you know when jesus was talking with the uh, disciples and they tried to show him the grandeur of the temple and you know he tells them there won't be a stone left standing and we all know historically the romans came in and 70, completely sacked jerusalem and literally took the temple brick by brick down so i i think that's the place where we're going to I'm, I'm, I'm unfortunately i might have just pissed some people off and you know I mean, sorry about that guys but people were I, pissed back then when that declaration was made exactly so i just think that the 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 <clears throat> practically the place in which the culture is headed having big buildings with a sign that says hey we're christians it's just not going to be very wise in in the season in which we're we're coming into. Dylan Roof, that's that right now. Dylan Roof is an exception to the rule, but there's going to come a time where that's going to be the norm. And when we have big, you know, targets on our backs saying, "Hey, we're Christians, come on in here," I, you know, as this culture becomes more and more hostile toward Christendom. Things like that are just not going to be wise. It's just not going to be wise to do that. Regarding right? that Connecticut church, my you know my animated mind imagines Jesus pushing a cloud to the side, looking down and saying, did I tell you to take out a mort gauge for $5 million in the first place? <laughs> mort uh, gauge. Emphasis, yes, emphasis on the, on the <laughs> you know, the, the prefix of the word mortgage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 you're exactly right. So anyway, that's, we, we talked, you know, just a lot of, you know about that because if you remember and this is the last tangential point I'm gonna make and then we're gonna get to I know no you guys didn't call but if you recall you know in in um, the gospels when uh, in the garden of Gethsemane after Jesus is praying with his guys and Judas shows up right with the guys working with the high priest they didn't even know who Jesus was mm -hmm. after all all the stuff he did they had no idea who he was so they had to say, yo, go kiss the one that's, you know, that's actually Yeshua. They had no, that's the place we got to get to. 
We can't be like, oh, is he the archbishop? Put a bullet in this. Like, we can't be in that place. He he looked just like his other disciples. Exactly. There was no distinguishing features. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pope robe or something. He didn't have a cloak or a Bentley. (laughs) Or popery. Cloak or a Bentley. So, if that is the standard, then I will never never meet that standard. So, anyway, that's... That's what I that's what I've been doing, guys, for the for the last couple of weeks. So, um, you know, I don't know what what have we what have you guys been up to the last couple of weeks? Just regular stuff, like you know. Uh, well, one thing is that uh, I'm not gonna um, talk about. Oh no, you made me go tangential. Well, no, no, no. Don't, don't well, what I was to get... gonna say is I'm not gonna promo my business on here, but you know, let's just say that. Oh, you it... mean the Cam and Darty Academy? <laughs> that that business. But my point is. Dot org. No, actually, it's not. That's not the website. But oh, well, my, why don't you clarify what it's the, CameronAcademy.org. But my point are. is that since we are now in application deadline season, uh, my um, work with that particular with my organization is of course spiked because there are a lot of um, yeah. seniors who who have needs, and it's it's a pleasure, you know, to offer that. So I've been extremely busy because of that. But thankfully, in two weeks, I will be down in the wonderful island of Curacao or Curacao, depending on nice. the perspective. And I haven't been in the Caribbean for a while, so it's going to be a nice uh, needed break. Nice. What about you guys? What what's the fellas been up to? Just work, family, church, just the usual. The changing of diapers, or do you guys still have to change the diaper? Yeah, we still have to change the oh, diapers. Yeah. He's he's only he's he'll be a year and a half towards the end of the month, but yeah, we haven't gotten to the potty oh, train yeah. yet. So. You haven't lived until you potty train. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, reading, just a lot of reading. Yeah, we were just talking about these books. That's Twelve good. books on rotation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the DJ of, uh, of of literature. No, I it was just reading, uh, watching videos, just trying to become more educated. Yeah. You know? Cool. That's funny that you mentioned that, Avery, because I was listening to an uh, interview. Uh, show Baraka was interviewed. I forget the show now. Dang it. I forget the show. But anyway, the you know, of course, Cats was coming at him. You know, it was like a, it was an Afrocentric um, radio show, and of course, they were coming at him. How can you be a black man and be a Christian? Mm. And that, you know, that from that perspective. Yeah. And it, it was very interesting because he was bringing up uh, a few points, and one of the co-hosts had a bunch of different counterpoints, and so he was asking the guys, "Yeah, so where'd you get that from?" Like, show asked the guy, "Like, where'd you get that point from?" He just regurgitated yeah. it. Like, has he's like, "Well, you know, somebody has said something." He's like, "Stop!" He's like, "I want to stop you right there." He's like, "That's the problem." He's like, "Nobody reads anymore." He's like, "None of y'all." He's like, "Y'all are here coming at me, and none of y'all have read." He's like, "None of y'all have read any books." Like, you guys maybe heard somebody, or I watched a YouTube clip for two minutes, and you built your whole argument on that. So, just I, when you said that, just about just reading. Um, cause it, you know, one of the things I do with my kids is I try to get them to have a joy for reading. Cause I didn't really get a joy for reading until probably after I graduated from graduate school. Like, I mean, just reading, like I'm going to yeah. get a book and just enjoy right. reading. Right. Like, you know, you read books in school cause you had to, even in college, you read books. Oh, I got to read this for this class or read, but like to on my spare time getting a book you know, I was in my mid twenties before I found the joy of of reading books, and so just you know, for all of you guys out there, read, reading is fundamental. Well, prop, props to show for clapping back though, because you know you're surrounded by people with a particular worldview. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah. able to actually say, "Where'd you get that information from?" Uh, Christianity is a white man's religion. They were saying that when I was a little kid. Are you just repeating what you know someone had said yeah. already? So, props to show Baraka. So, what's some of the stuff you read, Nay? 
Uh, well, at the moment, I have intro to introduction to ancient African civilizations, an introduction to African civilizations by John G. Jackson, uh, who is a historian and author. He passed away in the early 90s, but uh, he wrote many books, a few books, like about four that I know of, um, or around that number. Uh, and so I've been reading that. Uh, I've also been uh watching i'm still trying to get through this color of law book that i was talking mm, about yeah. before and the color of law talks about the history of um segregation uh in the united states that that became uh, uh i talked about de facto and du jour segregation uh, right right when uh, basically both private and public efforts to separate groups of people uh so you had white communities you had black communities and you had integrated communities and uh i'm I've also uh, as of late been watching some of these uh been doing research on um well i watched i watched a documentary called open secret it's a mm. documentary called open secret that talks about uh sexual uh abuse that happens in hollywood wow. mm. and um <laughs> child actors and so that was that was highly educational and uh i also i also am trying to get through like uh stranger things mm -hmm. which is uh, <laughs> on netflix yeah, yeah so it's pretty cool yeah somebody told me about that last week and i, I haven't watched it yet but i do because they were talking about yeah. how good the cinematography was yeah so i'm gonna get that let me get through that, and then I'm trying to see this 1804 history of the Haitian Revolution. My man oh, Tariq yeah. Machines joined. Yeah. yeah, I want to see that. Too. Yeah, so but he's like selling it on DVD. I was like, what the heck? Well, the reason there are a lot of stories of, about Toussaint, though. Aren't aren't there just a lot? Isn't there a lot out there about Toussaint? Toussaint Louverture. Yeah. What do you mean? Like, just I mean, is that not what um, this particular 1804 thing is about? Because I know that uh, Toussaint revol his revolution was a little earlier. So are no, you that's talking about it. Yeah, so yeah. I just thought that there was a lot of material out about it. Well, we would just be surprised this, this, people don't know. Yeah, and, and certainly not in not in the audiovisual narrative form. Okay. Uh and and uh and so it's Toussaint Louverture, John Jack Desali, mm -hmm. and then a host of others. Mm -hmm. And so I'm interested in, in checking out checking that out, but the reason why he sells it uh, on DVD and he sells it on Amazon is because of um not he it, basically it's the it's it's the cost like he can make more yeah. he can make more selling it that way True. and so that his his business can flourish better so he would he would prefer to be the source so okay. that's you know, good this, and we have these platforms might as well use them right yeah yeah, yeah no it's it just yeah, for yeah. me i was just kind of like oh i gotta go find a dvd player i was just like oh my goodness yeah because i mean i would have i would have gotten oh, it weeks funny, ago right? yeah I was like, I gotta go. For, I think my, I think the kids' Xbox can play. So I may, I may end up having just hijack my kids' Xbox to watch that uh, DVD because mm. I've, I've, I've seen a bunch of his other movies, Hidden Colors, and you know. Yeah, that's right. You did talk about that yeah. before. So anyway, but you know, Trent, you know, as we just sort of shift off of that, I think it's it's um interesting that you you mentioned the uh, documentary about a lot of the sexual abuse going on in Hollywood. And so over the last couple of weeks, I know we're late to the party, right? But over the last few weeks, we've had this Me Too hashtag going on. Yeah. Um, and I understand at its core, you know, what it what it was supposed to, you know, sort of highlight. Um, one of the things that just kind of disgusts me about, you know, social media society now in 2017 is 
a lot of that's probably bandwagon stuff. You know, I, I, I like I wonder how much of it is like legitimate. Yeah, women I, and yeah, how I just many... have to. I'm sorry, I just have to make a statement about that, just because, and I know that everybody mm. at this table knows this, and thankfully I can't say that I've been a victim of of sexual assault, but I can just only imagine how much uh, courage it takes for somebody to make that kind of post. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, the ones that I've seen do not seem to be bandwagonish at all. And I, and I'm sure that you're pointing to the hashtag more so than the the hashtag, not the actual people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but I think that, I think for some people it's been really healing. Um, Oh, I know there's some people who actually have men as well. And that's been pretty impressive. Have you guys seen the Terry Crews? Um, yeah. Interview? Yeah. He got interviewed that was, about this. And, you know, and well, you have this big buff man. I haven't seen an interview, but I, I read his tweets. Was yeah, it, he did oh, have a series was, of tweets. Series of, I'm sorry, series. Of, yeah. I'm thinking about another interview where he was talking about um, football on the radio. But yeah, the series of tweets that he put out about yeah. him when he went through this um, similar uh, uh, breaking. You know, it's just amazing yeah. that someone feels like they can even come at a former NFL player like that. It just shows you about that. That power differential, yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, and what people can feel, you know, feel like they can do, even to someone who could probably mush him in the sand and murder him, you know, physically. It's not about physicality, you know. It's about power. It's about real power. It's about yeah. Physics. So that's a good point you bring up. That physicality is not real power. That's a really good point. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's about yeah the social power, the the money power, all that political power, all that combined. Um, as far as the the hashtag itself. I'm not gonna, you know, judge as far as who's like bandwagon, who's not. Uh, I do, you know, agree with Eva that you know, it, with some people, it can be helpful because you you feel scared to to come out because you feel alone in this, and so other people are coming out, and now, okay, maybe I should come out too about my experience. Uh, so it can be it can be healing for some people. It can be an encouragement to to know that they're not alone in that. And it was uh it was good for me to to see all that just to realize how kind of widespread this is. Because you know, and if you haven't uh, experienced it, or you know, it's hard to say that you don't know anyone that's experienced it. But either way. Like you just don't know how widespread it is, how many people who have yeah experienced this type of sexual abuses. Well, so first of all, I th- I I I think Terry Crews should have went to jail that night. Quite Terry Crews. Terry Crews should have went to jail that night. He should have he should have whipped that person's you know what <laughs> for somebody walking up to him in the middle of a party mm-hmm. and grabbing his junk. No matter the cost, and I think that that's the that that that's a big problem, is that a lot of people are afraid of um, to get on people's bad side, uh, even in 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 light of the truth. And as a, a guy that's forty plus, because this happened in two thousand sixteen, yeah. right. and he said in his tweets, "Well, uh, I didn't want to be the big black guy that just." You know, beat up somebody. Beat, beat up somebody, and then yeah. I'll go to jail and all yeah. this. Well, you go to jail that night. And I'm serious. This guy did this in front of him and, and his wife. Yeah. Okay. In a public, like in a in public. A, space. Well, it's a, it, a party. It, 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 was a public, party. it was a private. It was a private Hollywood executive party. Well, I mean, right? but public, like yeah. it wasn't like but, in a little room. It was like. Oh like, yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and this is not. This is the 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 idea of oh I didn't want to hurt my career. See that that that's that's a that's a 
faulty thinking, mm-hmm. right? Because first of all, we talking about Terry, Terry Crews, all right. So we talking about Chris Rock's father from Everybody Hates Chris. <laughs> right. he, that was a great show, by he, the way. He yeah. already has. He's got. He's he's straight. Now he's not. You know, he's he's black straight. He's not white straight. <laughs> yeah. He's black straight. So um, he's got. He's accomplished. Fairly accomplished in Hollywood at this point mm-hmm. in time. It's just kind of like about um, just continuing to. Uh, just not rock the boat. But at that point in time, forget all of this. So now it's pot. Now it's okay to come. Nah, uh-uh. like you gotta, mm-hmm. you gotta. I mean, <laughs> you have to stand up for yourself at some point and your family. Like, I, like that's that to me. That's ridiculous. Now I'm I'm happy that he came out and he said what he said. But you know that's not that wasn't revelation for me, and that wasn't that's not a revelation for a lot of people that these things happen. We know that's just a revelation for people who. Don't pay attention. Yeah. But that that that's that's how they that's how they get down. Yeah, I think it's kinda like the narrative where I mean, pretty sure all of you heard like the metaphor of like the baby elephant tied to stake and yeah. Yeah. it can't move and then once it, it gets big where it can yes. move, but it still goes around that circle thinking that it can't move. So, you know, most of, you know, the the way the Hollywood structure is set up, you know, those who have the the power you know doesn't matter really doesn't matter how good you can act in a sense you could be the best actor but you can't break through unless you cater to some of those in power yes and unless then, you select it yeah yes. and then so even even at the time even okay you you go through this you you made it but you're still you're still feeling like that baby elephant on the stake yep. that you don't want to strike back at the hand that feeds you um even even though you do have the power right now to to rebel to to get out to move that stake uh even though you have quote unquote arrived like you said Avery but I think it's the state of your state of mind still is is in that place where you haven't arrived even though practically you have you know we what we're talking about is power but you know to a because it's a lot like what Eve said, it because it's not pertaining to physicality, it's really only perceived power. That's right. You know, because like, and what it's I mean, economic power though. No, think it? think about it like this. Okay. If if I'm going to get into a fight with Terry Crews, and you know Terry Crews would probably kill me, right? That's actual power. Like he could physically harm me. But if I'm in an environment where I think someone has something that I want, that's perceived power, right? So, uh. A Hollywood executive grabs Terry Crews' junk in a party, and because Terry Crews perceives that that guy has something that he needs, he doesn't do anything. That's not real power. That's well, perceived power. Yeah, and not and it also and not just that guy. It's a system. So well, it's that's a whole I mean. party. Yeah, all it's those the guys. police coming. It's all those things. But that your point still stands. Yeah. yeah and, and so if he says, "Well, wait," so if he says, "Nah, dude, don't grab me," right, and does whatever, beat him up. Even if he just says something to him, like he just you know grabs Stood him up, up. For himself. He def- if he do if he would have defended himself, then he then what he does is he takes back the perceived power that that gentleman has, right? Because that's the difference. So again, going back to the fight, there's real power because I can't physically overpower you. You have you have actual power, right? But if you have perceived power, that doesn't matter. Like if I am comfortable where I am, then I take your power away. 
You see what I'm saying? If I'm comfortable where I am, whether it's socioeconomically, education, whatever it is, if I'm content where I am, you no longer have that power over me. So, so, so the, I would say yes, and I and I agree with you. I, and and it's not just something that's limited to Hollywood. I live in the Washington D.C. area, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm, I'm at a point where I operate within um, white collar circles. And yeah. um, there's a lot of passive aggression that takes place, oh, and there's a yes. lot of 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 statements like, "Well, you know, treat everybody great because you never know who you're going to be with later <laughs> on," which is which is which is very true, and it's a it's a it's a it's a, a very important philosophy. You should you know always treat the as they say like the, when you get on an elevator, you treat the doorman well because same people you see going up, you're going to see coming down. Uh-huh. So. I definitely I agree with that. However, uh, there are situations and times where people abuse their power. There's, there, yep. there, there are there are situations where you go on job interviews and you know you are qualified, if not overqualified, or just as equally qualified as the person that is across the room and that is interviewing you. And uh, you know, and when you when you don't get treated a certain way in a respectful way, that certain things are wrong. And sometimes you. It, it might make sense to speak out about that. Maybe not necessarily at that interview. Maybe at the interview. Maybe later on. But a lot of times we just kind of let these things go, and we continue to brown nose and cater, as Dan said, to uh, other people who have a little bit more because, because, or a lot more perce- perceptually, because we're afraid of being blackballed, mm-hmm. right? And I like this statement. I can't remember where I got it from. But like you can't you can't blackball someone who doesn't want to work with you. Exactly, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> to yeah. begin with, you and understand that's, what I'm that's, saying? So that's exactly like, right. When like, you take I don't that care power if you back, tell you people can't. about me. Yeah. Like I'm good. I don't want to work with you or yeah. anything like that. So you, but yes, that, and that that's the point we have we have to get to. But because you know we don't have that mindset. So that's what yeah. so that's what I meant, and you know I apologize to everybody listening and if they took offense, but that's what I meant by bandwagon. Probably wrong term to utilize, but two years later on Twitter is not the time to try to say, "Oh yeah, that happened to me too." At the time, you take the power back. And let's know? talk. Let's talk about that perceived power just a little bit more because yeah. uh, Lupita, or Lupita, Lupita. Uh, Nyong'o, the um, the the female actor. Peter Nyong'o, got it. But I thought there was a click language at the end. I know she's People from know East Africa, about. but Lupita, yeah. So anyway, People Lupita, know who you're talking about. <laughs> uh, Lupita, um, um, twelve years a slave, Patsy, twelve years a slave. Yeah, great actress or actor, um, but in her, she's okay. I think that she's good. I think that I okay. Think, you went from great to good. Okay, I think she's great. Now you went to okay. Whatever. She anyway, now she's whatever. I think that she is actually great because she knows how to act when she's not um, reading her lines. She was in two movies. Her whatever. Well, I will judge her, her once Black Panther comes out. Then she will get known. Her face. Her face is a great actor by itself. Right. She doesn't have to say anything to be a great actor. But getting back to what I was trying to say. Okay. So that whole thing about perceived power mm-hmm. is. Um, probably well expressed in her experience because I don't think that Harvey Weinstein did anything for her um, that brought her to the, if you, if you read the New York Times article, that brought her to where she, she got. Well, what did she so do? Why did you bring up, up Lupita? Because what of happened? the notion of perceived power. So basically uh, she talked about how Harvey Weinstein Who's on Harvey several- Weinstein? 
on several was it Weinstein occasions. Weinstein or Weinstein? Okay, so you're gonna. All I'm gonna say to you is, and everybody else can talk more about this, but I want it to come from a specific angle, which is to say that when it comes to um, sexual advances, she decided to actually write an article later, like after the fact, about the way that she was um, targeted during her time, during her ascent um, in terms of her uh, career. And she said that she did not end up sleeping with him or responding to his advances in a positive way, um, but she felt very pressured to do so because she was a she was a, a student and she was you know still doing off off Broadway and you know very small you know parts and things right, like that right. and and you have this big you know executive in Hollywood who everyone was afraid of and everyone respected and so she in her mind might have had a chance to actually get into one of his films and one of his productions by catering to his uh demands well, well she did um, but, she did give him a massage so but let me, don't don't but don't, let me so give, she didn't she didn't sleep with him but she did she did yeah but my she general did come point with the get down for a little bit yeah, my general at the beginning of my the general story. point though is that over time uh she let him alone she stopped you know interacting with him at all and then she had a few opportunities that brought her you know uh to the forefront on magazines and in hollywood and then he came back to her um after the fact and said oh i'd really like to work with you but i'm saying that to say she did not according to what she said or according to what she wrote have sex with him and that sort of thing so the power was perceived in this case because she ended up not getting any parts with him and she was still able to come up and then now he's coming back and asking her if he would if she would like to work with him so um, i think there's something to be said about what you said aj about power being perceived as opposed to real power to real power because think about it if you know, going with Avery's point, you know, we, we live in the Washington, D.C. Um, metropolitan area, right? And so we interact a lot with the government. You know, for a lot of you who may be listening who don't live in this area, you may not have that much interaction with the actual government. You know, I remember running into someone um, I went to undergrad with who worked for the Secret Service. And you, you're referring to federal government. Yeah, federal government, not okay. local government. Uh-huh. Or yeah. state. Or state level um but more on the federal level because, you know, I ran into this gentleman. I'm giving up this example. Um, I was I ran into this guy I went to undergrad with. And so I, I see him just standing on the corner. He, he and one of the gentlemen just standing there. And so I'm going to walk up, dap him up, just say what's up, you know, just to say, you know, and keep it moving. We wasn't super close, but I recognized him. And so he's just standing there. There are two guys standing there still. And I walk, I'm getting ready to walk up to him. He catches my eye and he realizes I'm coming up to speak. And he just shakes his head like, nah, no. Mm. So I'm like, what's it? What's, what's like? I'm thinking, I, I don't have no beef with you. Like, what's the problem? And he turns his head to show me the earpiece, the Secret Service little earpiece. And I was like, whoa. And then I sort of stopped and I surveyed where I was. And I realized they had a guy hemmed up on the ground. I didn't even see the guy. There was a guy on the ground next to him, like in cuffs, laid on the ground, just in the middle of 15th Street in Washington, D.C. There wasn't no sirens or no Mm. blue and reds. There were two guys in a suit with a guy on the ground. And so I just backed up. He he just gave me like a little nod, like, it's it's all good. And I just kept it moving. But I remember thinking, what's going to happen to that dude? Like, this is not we're going to take you to the county jail. They're gonna take this dude to some government building, and you know, like it's gonna be like it's gonna be like scandal. You know what I mean? That's like, what I was thinking about. So just going more into that concept of perceived power and actual power. When you're dealing with things like that, that's actual power. 
right? That like I can take you to the bottom of the Pentagon and nobody will hear about you anymore. Like that's real power. But when you get into these environments like, oh, I can't get into a movie with Harvey Weinstein, it reminds me of the scripture which says the, the eye is never full of seeing. And to where, like you said, where somebody like Terry Crews, who's already been in a ton of movies, already been in a successful television show, already had a football career. He played football for like 10 years. Like, so he has money, right? This is not a guy who's trying to, you know, work his way up. This is somebody who's probably well off for the rest of his life, even before that situation happens. A Hollywood executive, you know, grabs you inappropriately, which as a man is crazy. I know women deal with this kind of stuff all the time, but as a man, I was like, yo, I don't know what I would even do in that situation. Why wouldn't you say something? Oh, because you're trying to move up and get even more. You see what I'm saying? It it reminds me of the um, NFL strike that's going on now. Not the strike, but you know everybody's protesting now. It's like, where, where was all you dudes at last year? You see, like now it's like, so that's what I'm, why I'm saying, you know, why I apologize for using the term bandwagon. But it's more just people do things when it's comfortable. When the Me Too hashtag comes yeah. out, now it's comfortable enough for me to say, oh, yeah, that happened to me too. If you would have said that two years ago, it might have cost you something. You see what I'm saying? Like it cost Kaepernick something to do what he did yep. a, a year and a half ago. Yeah. So nobody was doing nothing. Now it's kind of in vogue to do everybody different Jerry cats Jones kneeling. yeah exactly different cats kneeling every week so now everybody wants to kneel like it's all good where were you at a year and a half ago when cat was doing this by himself realizing that it was going to cost him something so my my whole point in saying that is that a lot of times people need to stop being scared of perceived power and do something at the moment that it needs to be done because when you do it after the fact it's just symbolic. It's like it's almost irrelevant when you do it after the fact. Like, think about it. The guys on the Houston, Texas that kneeled this past Sunday, what did that actually accomplish? Nothing. It actually accomplished nothing. You were just pissed off that your owner called you inmates. Your right? owner being the operative the, term. The, the owner your of the team. Owner. Well, yeah. The the owner of the team calling you inmates. Oh, so we're gonna kneel now. What, what what does that actually do? It's nothing. It's a symbolic gesture that the owner probably would chuckle at with his buddies. Weinstein might be one of them, right? After the game. You see those dummies kneeling on the field. You see, so we, people have to, you know, get to a point, especially when you are in a place like these football players, like a Terry Crews, like anybody, these actresses. If you're in a place where you already made some money and then these types of things happen, you may have to do something that might cost you. Martin Luther King said, I want to live. I don't want to die. But he realized what he was doing was might, it just might cost him. And, you know, we all know historically it did. But at the moment, he didn't know. But he felt, you know what, if it does cost me my life, I'm going to continue to persist. And so that's what, that's what I meant when I said my, my frustration in this current age in which we live. People wait until things are comfortable. And then we want to do things. We want to say stuff and make posts. And it's like, do that when it's going to cost you something. Do that, you know, right at the point when you know I may have to sacrifice X, Y, and Z in order to to do this thing. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, basically show a little backbone. Uh, yeah. Take yeah, just you know, plant your feet in the sand, as they say. And um, you know, are you are you really going to compromise in this area, and then oh, come out years later and then complain about it? Exactly. Um, and, you know, as much as we talk about it, and I guess I'll be the transition guy right now, but as much as we, you know, talking about this Harvey Weinstein 
situation, Me Too, hashtag, what about yeah, us as believers who, yeah, come out, who we come out after the fact. Yeah. Christians are some of the most guiltiest of that behavior. We coming out, we wait until we come out after the fact. And that's a good, good, good point, Dan, to just, so, you know, as we shift, um, Christians not sitting around and waiting until things, you know, blow up and become a big deal in, in the culture and not, you know, stepping out in, in front of things that we see on the horizon. I mean, cause listen, we're believers and, Many of us go to church and do all that, you know, Christian stuff, but we live in the world, right? We, we live in society. And so we see things on the horizon. And for, for, for too many of us, we remain silent. We remain silent. And then when it becomes a big thing, like too big to ignore, you know what I mean? Then we want to be like, well, what should the church be doing about this thing? Well, we could have... You know, to to give you an agricultural analogy, it's much easier for me to go out and pull up a little weed out of my yard than it would be for me to try to cut down a big, huge oak tree. If I try to do that, I got to chop it down. I got to get a, a, a stump grinder. It's a whole lot of work involved because now that thing has grown. Its roots have spread yards underground. It's it, It's a much more arduous task as opposed to when it's small. And so... We don't get out in front of things when they're small because then I don't, you know, we're scared or, you know, we're insecure, whatever it is. We don't step out in front of things first. Yeah, I just, it really depends on who, which Christian you're referring to. For example, the black church has always had that liberation bent to it since the early, since the late 1700s. So when I say black church, I'm talking specifically in this country. Mm-hmm. And so that social justice and liberation theology thrust has always existed so I think that sometimes when we say we as Christians, we're talking about conservative, the people who lean on the conservative side who basically say, nope, this is all about Jesus. Uh, Jesus first, I'm going to preach the gospel. And when they say gospel, they're talking about two or three lines within the New Testament instead of more of a um, holistic gospel. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I, I preach the gospel first. If we're good on that front, then you know we might start talking about social justice. But when I think about uh, my parents' church, which is 200 years old, when I think about the same uh, types of churches down south, like the First African Baptist Church in South Carolina, when I think about those traditional churches that have been around for a couple of centuries, um, like they've always been this whole notion of T.D. Jakes and and um, and Creflo Dollar and sort of the mega church thing is relatively recent compared right, to right. Um, where what churches have done over time. So I think that uh, your critique, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think that your critique is really um, more relevant to conservative, so-called uh, conservative churches. Well, so historically. Um, the black church being involved in like social social justice issues was because the black church was a social justice issue period like, like the notion of a black church right yeah, yeah. well okay. well, for, well 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 one that's the only thing black people could do uh vocationally is to preach and teach that was it there were no other opportunities you and this is this is after this is after the emancipation proclamation uh, where uh, black people, there was this movement for uh, black people to go to black black people to go to college, but the problem was occupational segregation was taking place, so they would go to college, but then they couldn't find any work, and they became Pullman porters after majoring in chemistry. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, or, or or they became teachers, and that's why you had teachers and preachers. That was it. That was the only thing that they actually uh, uh, could could qualify and get get hired to do. So, so I think that that has to be taken into consideration that there were no other outlets, and okay. and then and then what happened was. Um, you had like the formation of these uh, secret societies that took place with that. That I mean, you had you you had the 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 the, the black liberation um, uh, 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 stalwart such as uh, and ph- philosophy such as um, Marcus Garvey. Yeah. But then you had you had th- that mindset which that began to scare other black people such as uh, W. E. B. Du Bois, yeah. right? And so. Now you had this concept and this notion of the talented tenth, and so you had a talented tenth whose mindset was not necessarily to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. It was to kind of like put a quote on that rah rah. Like that's what W. E. B. Du Bois wrote. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and so I found some things out this week about Thurgood Marshall that I was like, whoa. Yeah. But so, along those same lines. Yes. So, uh, so I, so I do think that. Uh, although it, it's relatively, it might might be relatively new. I think that the phenomena uh, is very, I like like. Nah, I mean, I, I I do think I do think that people are passive. Yeah, you know, I, I do. Now, I don't think it's just a conservative thing. I think that I think that it is a church thing in general, yeah. with, with with exception. So yeah, a lot of times we 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 look at a, a lot of you know the great. Christian leaders as the rule and they probably were exceptions to the rule as opposed to being the rule because you know Eve you you, you made a very good point so I'm going to go ahead and throw out a hand grenade here and piss some people off it's been two weeks and I haven't pissed nobody off yet Um, what what you talk about when you say a lot of Christians wanted to say let's stick to preaching the gospel and they pick two or three lines in the New Testament and say that's that's the gospel. Yeah, John 10, uh, what is it? John 10, 9 and 10. Yeah, that's that's what Christians love. You mean Romans 10, 9 and 10. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Romans 10, 9 and 10, sorry. I was like, John 10, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's exactly right. And so what, what the church, you know, I think what the church loves to talk about is the gospel of salvation, not the entire gospel. Very good point. Jesus makes a point several times in the New Testament. Jesus, you know, Yeshua, the guy we follow, uh, he talks about the gospel of the kingdom. Mm. The gospel of the kingdom is not the gospel of salvation. And so when Paul would say things like, and somebody comes to you, try to preach another gospel, right? Consider that heresy, right? So when somebody tells me that the gospel is just Romans 10, 9, and 10, I, gotta dis- I have to discard that yeah. because that is just the door to a house. Jesus talks about the gospel of the kingdom. And if I talk about the gospel of the kingdom, sorry if I'm getting preachy, everybody. But in the New Testament, if you just do a Google search of gospel and kingdom and how many times Jesus makes that statement, if I, if I understand the gospel of the kingdom, then it encompasses things like social justice. Mm-hmm. It encompasses things like liberation theology. But if I limit the gospel to just salvation, then I can easily discard those other things. But in order to have a kingdom, right, there must be a king, first of all. There must be a domain. There must be rules, right, articles of incorporation, whatever you want to call it. But there are there, there's systems and structures to a kingdom. So when Jesus is talking about the gospel, 
He's not just talking about the doorway that we love to propagate. We just love to talk about, yo, check out how dope this door is, man. If you just come into this door, this door is banging. It's got great hardware. And look at the knobs. We so that's why we prop up Romans ten nine and ten. That might just, but that might yeah. just be the distinction that you're talking about. That there are some Christians who are salvation only, fire insurance uh, Christians, and that's the only thing that counts. Mm-hmm. And then there are others who are looking at the kingdom that people are being born again into. So the question becomes, how then shall we live? Okay, a man paid a penalty for my sin putting me in right relationship with God, what do I do now? And there's some people, some Christians are the what do I do now Christians and others can't see past that door that you were talking about. Well, let's go a little deeper. In in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, right? Go therefore into all the nations. You forgot about the ye. Go ye. Go ye. If you would do the King James, go ye. That's the real Bible, King James. <laughs> some Christians, that's the real Bible. 1611 in the house. But if you keep reading, See, there's not a there's not a period after that. It's a comma. It says, "Go into all the nations, preaching, comma, and teach them to be obedient in the areas in which I have taught you to be obedient." Period. So that's the whole gospel, not just going to all the nations. And go back and read. It. If you guys out there listening, go back and read Matthew 28. There's a comma there. It's not a period because what he he didn't we didn't take his full statement into account. We took part of his statement, go to all the nations and preach the gospel, comma. We don't, that other part that you're talking about is teaching people to be obedient. That is teaching people how to be citizens in the kingdom of the gospel of which I preach. That's a, that is the entire Great Commission. And that is what the majority of particularly Western church does not do. We don't teach people to be obedient because we, he says, teach them to be obedient to where you have first been obedient. So I have to be a citizen of the kingdom, obedient to the king, and then I teach you to be obedient. So that way we don't get focused and you know fixated on the door. You know, yeah. guys, I know we're doing a lot of Bible stuff right now. I'm sorry if you're listening. Yes, um, heavy I, Bible today. I would uh, go a step further to even say that they don't really preach the gospel of salvation more, the gospel of justification, because. Salvation can be broken down to justifications. That's like you said, the doorway. Sanctification, that's a growing in holiness and obedience to God's commandments and glorification. Now, you see repeatedly throughout the New Testament when, you know, Jesus, you know, asked, you know, by people, okay, how shall I get into heaven? He talks about keeping the commandments. What does he say the commandments are? The Great commandments are broken down to love God the and, summary, and yeah. what, mm-hmm. and people want to stop there. Just love uh, God, love your neighbor, mm-hmm. and what does that mean? That <laughs> that incorporates that incorporates social neighbor, justice. That you know that incorporates you know not just the neighbor who uh, thinks conservatively like me, or not just the neighbor who looks exactly like me, but those. Neighbors who are different, different well, cultures, different heritage. It um, wasn't. It wasn't. Um, what can I do to get into heaven? Is what shall I do to receive eternal, eternal life? life. Yep. Yeah, it's not the same thing. Good point. Yeah, Good no. point. So I wanted to be clear on that because yeah. it gets conflated a lot of times. No, so, I, I appreciate it. So um, yeah. So what? What shall I do to inherit life? And and that's where yeah, uh, no, gets into the great commandment. So. Like I said, you know, loving your neighbor, it incorporates, you know, social justice being, you know, concerning, okay, 
what you know what your neighbor's going through what they're suffering through are they being persecuted or being they they being discriminated against these are things that we uh conveniently uh, ignore as christians this is the this is part of the sanctification the being obedient to the gospel the command of the gospel is not just justification it's not just like oh let me get in that's it i'm done no it's, it's far more than that and the fact that honestly the and i know this, this may turn into a whole different discussion but come on the fact that uh you're you're stuck on just okay just the justification and um doing no works what does james say you know faith, faith without, without works, works is not is faith dead. at all you know even even the demons believe the demons believe in justification the demons theology is far better than ours well the, the reason there's no you work is because preach. we're not obedient and that's that's the great commission like it's not just teaching obedience it's being obedient yeah. if, if you read that matthew 28 what he says is go to preach the gospel in all the nations and teach them to be obedient in the ways in which you are obedient and so going to your point dan there's no works because Christians are not obedient. We don't get out in front of these matters because we're not really obedient ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so I'm scared to talk about fornication, right? Entering the culture, mm -hmm. just the 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 hoification of of our culture. Where, you know, they be having like you know slut marches and all that. You know, don't slut shame. Yo, if 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 you're promiscuous, you're promiscuous. You see what I'm saying? But we're not obedient because there's too much promiscuity in the church, so we can't get in front of that or homosexuality or divorce rates or anything like we can't get out in front of that because it's too much of that crap going on in the body of christ so we end up having to just kind of sit you need to trademark horrification i've never heard that in my life trademark <laughs> that before somebody snatches horrification. it hashtag horrification so uh, yeah i've heard it before <laughs> <laughs> Dang. did you yeah. did 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 you all know that uh, the first uh, first slave ship out of Britain, do you know what the name of it was? The first slave ship? No. Nah, what was that? First slave ship out of Britain. Yeah, you know I'm saying. What, what, was it, what was it called? The name of it was Jesus. Wow. Like the Jesus ship. Yes. <laughs> that pretty much sums up. I mean, we, you know, we've talked about before how the Puritans served as chaplains on slave ships. So, yeah. Well, yeah. That doesn't surprise me. I'm, you know, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean, it was it was uh, you 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 could say that the uh, the transatlantic slave trade, European slave trade, whatever you want to call it, was manufactured by European Christians. So, and then you could also uh, I I would also go so far as to say that the Emancipation Proclamation was was marketing uh, more than anything else, because if you read the Thirteenth Amendment. It talks about how uh, no man should be treated as a second-class system except in the case of an offense or penalty yeah, yeah. deemed by the state. And so, um, by the way, check out that documentary, dope documentary by yeah, Ava well, DuVernay. Yeah, thirteenth, uh, but oh, but yeah. yeah, but 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 also but also the the the, the book, the New Jim Crow. Uh, oh, by yeah, Michelle Alexander. Yeah. yeah, and so what that means is that like you got this idea of slavery time, slavery time, slavery times, but you know I've come to the understanding that slavery time is actually today. Ahora. It never stopped, and so the marketing part, the marketing part is the fact that slavery was not necessarily allowed in the open air. 
so to speak, where you can just ride by a, a field and just and a plantation <laughs> and then see, yeah, see ni- Negress, you know, but now the Plural. Negress, yeah, <laughs> now, yeah, but now, but, but what happened was um, with prisoners, with mm. prisoners, yeah, yeah, pri- slavery moved behind uh, brick and cement walls. And then also in the marketing part of the marketing part of slavery is that whereas before these people didn't necessarily do anything themselves inherently to deserve being enslaved. Now uh, it, it's done uh, when you commit a crime. So um, the marketing part of it is that, well, these are criminals. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Who cares? What? Like this vulnerable population. Or uh, prisoners, well then they shouldn't have, they shouldn't have committed that crime. They should have fought, they should they should have been orderly and lawful. You see? And that's where the marketing is so so I, 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 I would venture to argue, I venture to say that uh, the Emancipation Proclamation was more so a marketing thing. So 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 when you talk about bringing it back, talking about Christians getting in front of things, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> hey, I mean, to 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 you you know my you know how much of a role reversal uh, the Christian Church would have to do in order to uh, correct its wrongs. It would be nearly you know? and, it would be nearly a 180. Yeah. Yes. Well, well, if you so. Uh, a one seventy nine or something. Again, prison and and this is this is the thing about uh, uh, prison populations. The thing about it, it's not just it's not just the fact that people commit a crime and they just go away. Just like I don't, I mean, anybody at this table? Does anybody just 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 who here who here doesn't work? Uh, of course, the uh, the room is silent because everybody works. Because yeah. everybody works, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some, w- some of us too much. I'm right, sure. right. And for those listening, I'm sure most people working. If they not. They're looking for something we put, unless they retire. More, more specifically, we have well, placed ourselves in the employ, which is basically indentured servitude. We've placed ourselves in the employ of another for those of us who don't have yes. our own businesses. Well, I mean, even you have your own business, you still work. Like, you have to work. Right. <laughs> you have to work. So my point, my, what I'm saying is that prisoners work. It's called prison labor. Yeah, yeah. And they, they, they are paid pennies on a dollar. If they're paid at all in the state of Georgia, the state of Georgia doesn't have to pay the prisoners anything. Which was a former penal colony, by the way. So I don't know if there's a connection there. But yeah, go ahead. Well, well, yeah, it's definitely yeah. So, so, so what I'm saying is, is that the beautification of the state, right? When we drive down, when we drive up and down 495, or drive up 295, these are beltways in the area. And then you know, you you, you ever notice how pretty it looks? It looks beautiful, right? Like you don't see like I know in my house or my room, if I don't do anything in it for a week, it looks like <laughs> you know, a nuclear explosion. <laughs> and right. you're talking about like the second worst traffic in the United States in this area and it looks pristine, right? Who's picking that stuff up? Who's picking that stuff up? Department of Corrections. Brother. Department of Corrections is 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 picking that stuff up, and the state looks how it looks because of free and cheap labor that comes from the prisoners. The prisoners create the uh, desks, the tables that are in state buildings and local buildings, and and the signs that are on the road, and the paint that's on the markers that that separate the lanes, and 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 so when people get caught up in these uh, uh, situations and they get arrested and, and and they get sent away, this is the motivation. This is the motivation of the state to 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 not be for 
prison reform. By if the that way, makes any yeah, sense. there was a. Uh, I'm sorry. I yeah. remember seeing. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if all you saw the clip. I'm not sure where the sheriff was from, but I don't know. If Louisiana, from Louisiana. Yeah, but he Louisiana. made the comment about not wanting to lose the the, the good, good prisoners. <laughs> the good yes, prisoners. because because they would provide that free labor. Uh, so he was against, you know, them being released mm -hmm. because he wanted that. They wanted that free labor. So it's that amazing. still yes. is, yeah, that still is going on today. And um, before, I mean, I don't want to get into like, you know, a bash in the church session here that we have to look at the fact, yeah, there there is a lot of, we, we are messed up in a lot of places and we need, do need to turn around, but there have been believers over time who have stood up for these things who have stood up for social justice who have stood up against slavery like william wilberforce, wilberforce and, yeah. and so it's not like that um yeah christianity for the most part as believers we haven't stood up like we should but a driving force in change has been christians has been oh, yeah. william wilberforce has been martin luther king jr um so when we actually are motivated and actually stand up and are united, then we can make a, a difference in this culture and and really create change in, in these social justice issues. Well, I think that's so a great point. And there's a scripture that, to your point, you know, what the Bible talks about, you know, one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. So all those great men that you just mentioned and women, Sojourner Truth and Airmen others, Imagine if the church had been united, like um, imagine if that, you know, like a unified body, mm -hmm. you know, because one great man who hears from God and steps out in faith and does makes tremendous impact in the culture. A does, century later, he's still six feet under. So, so, well, well my <laughs> the eternal optimist. <laughs> so, so the church doesn't exist in a vacuum. Right. So I said that, like, um, as you can see, and as you brought up, then the town benefits. Right. Like the, the town benefits from the failure, right? From the from the failure of that of that vulnerable class. So, um, how how can the church stand up when those same people on Sunday are running and benefiting from the failure that's happening Monday through Saturday? If that makes any sense. Well, that's why I was saying earlier, and of course, this is something that we disagree with, and I think it's it's good just for the purpose of discourse, but I don't, I honestly do not think that the dysfunction is the norm. You know, as I, as I said, historically, um, Christian churches, some of them weren't even planted except for the purpose of the, of the social justice aims that we're talking about, um, just as a, a primary purpose for them in the way that they express the gospel. So I think that, you know, what we see now with people who are just blind to what's going on in their environment, or people who are running laps around churches or throwing money at, you know, at preachers. I think that's an exception. It's I need just to find that, them places because they ain't throwing money at me. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and that's the thing, you know, regular pastors, you know, most of whom have jobs, you know, are just really um, on their grind trying to do what's right. Um, but you're right. Uh, the fact that uh, those outliers are actually they actually get more press than the regular pastor who's bagging groceries or working as an accountant or whatever he does, um, does elevate uh, the church or that part of that aspect of the church so that most people look at that and say, yeah, the church is doing no good. Yeah, and I think uh, this kind of may get into a point 
we were kind of hinting at earlier, but I, I believe that really the when the church is being persecuted, we're actually more united. And mm-hmm. I know we may be getting to that place because you go to you go to third world countries, you go to Sudan, you go to China, Afghanistan. Believers there, they're not. They're they're not we're not fighting amongst each other, but you know they're they're united because it's it's a daily struggle to to live your faith. You can lose your life, but the fact that you know we're here in uh in America and and mm-hmm. you know the Western world, um, you know we're more prosperous, so that gives us more time to ponder these issues that are kind of irrelevant in a sense we're we're dividing over over dumb stuff yeah we we got first world church problems that's the problem that is the that's the crux of the matter because we would rather sit down and have a debate on who exactly is my neighbor right going to your (laughs) earlier point as opposed to just loving my neighbor well who is my neighbor yeah we become pharisaical yeah no that's that's a really good point and so you know, even to just transition from that, you know, as we come around third base here is in 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 that mindset, you know, and even adding some of the things that Avery was saying about prison culture, prison population, how, you know, I, I find it just completely baffling how um, Christians, you know, and again, because I am one, you know, I, I, I'm included in, in that number is how Christians as a whole. Um, will fight for a child up until the moment of birth, mm-hmm. but once it's born, it's you're edu- on your you know, own, baby. It, it's it's education, um, you know, it's it's housing, it's it's you know all of it, all all of the above, um, up to the point that it you know it may go to prison. Because I mean, I I have good friends who've been in prison, you know. Mm. Um, where where are we in in terms of loving loving not loving loving <laughs> Loving our neighbor, you know, there, you know, because again, I don't look to the world to set my example. I don't, I don't, I don't look to godless people in godless systems to set the example for me, right? So when we look back, why isn't you know such such person doing that? Because they're godless. That's why they're doing those things. Like so, if they do something, you know, that's not you know detrimental to others, that should be the you know, oh, that's a surprise, but. For godless people to do godless things do not shock me or does not shock me. I don't know. Does. Does. does, Okay, excuse me. My sister would kill me. She's an English major. Does not shock me. Why, you know, and so I bring all that to say this, you know, Planned Planned Parenthood, their their black arm, you know, their, I don't know if that's like their outreach division. You know, all these companies have, you know, diversity, you know, uh, efforts or whatever. They they tweeted out this week uh, a couple of interesting uh, tweets. Um, the the first one talking about how it is more likely for um, a black woman to die giving uh, bringing their child to full term than it is to have an abortion. Um, and of course, people went crazy. Y'all advocating abortion? You crazy? Da 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 da. da. Um, and then their their second tweet pretty much implied that anybody who had a problem with their first tweet was an internet troll. It's kind of like, no, people have a problem with your first tweet. And so just as we were talking before the, the recording, you know, Avery brought up the, a, a couple of good points about um, lack of prenatal care and things of that nature, which lead to a lot of 
um, deaths for black women who bring their children to to full term. And I thought, I said, well, you know, the information that Planned Parenthood put out, it's nothing wrong with the actual information because statistically they're probably correct. It was more because of the source in which it came from. Had the American Medical Association made that same comment, it would have been taken differently. But with Planned Parenthood and their history of eugenics and things of that nature, they're probably not the best source for that information. That's probably not, you know, with Margaret Sanger and the the folks that created Planned Parenthood and their uh, original agenda is kind of like, I didn't really want to hear that from you. You know, not that it's not right, but sometimes it's like, uh, it's like, um, imagine if you go, you know, when, remember, for those of us who lived up north, you know, you remember just some of the water fountains in school were just so nasty. And they could have been the greatest water coming out of the fountain, but I just, I look at it, it was just so ratty. I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to keep it moving. So what is Planned Parenthood, what, what is Planned Parenthood's history? Oh, man, come on, man. Y'all, y'all, y'all trying to get me to go tangents. No, well, I mean, I'm, I'm asking for the listeners. Okay. Not everybody Sanger. understands what you're, what you're referring so, to. It, you may even have some listeners who work at Planned Parenthood gotcha. uh, or who, who have used and benefited from Planned Parenthood services. Oh, no, Planned Parenthood, I, they have a lot of great services. I'm, I'm not saying that there aren't good people that work. They're good, you know, well-meaning people uh, who work at Planned Parenthood. But just so that we don't get off on it. So that we don't get off on a tangent, you know, I want to yeah, let some, everybody. Some people might have yeah, that question. Yeah, well, Google, who's Margaret no, no, no. Sanger? Right? Google yeah. search. Yeah, I would say Google search eugenics, E U G E N I C S. Uh, Google search Margaret Sanger, S A N G E R, um, and Google search her and the people who started Planned Parenthood and their views on the black community, their views on impoverished people, and their views on sterilization. That's what I would encourage everybody to do, just so we don't get off on a tangent. But she had a particular viewpoint about poor people, about black people, and about how sterilization should be implemented in society. I think that sort for of for the purpose of population yeah, control. That sort of sums up. I hope does that sort of. So I would just say Google search those things, okay. everybody, and um, you know, for the sake of time, I don't really want to. You know, I'm, I'm not going to really go into all the things in in which she believed, but she had a particular viewpoint that was not very advantageous to the black community in the earlier parts of the, or the, I guess the middle parts of the 20th century. Um, but go, so to, to get back to, to the original point, just that, that statistic that you um, brought up a about um, maternity death rate for mothers in particularly in the South um, was extremely black high. Black mothers in the South. Um, it's extremely high. I think they're, they're Mississippi. That, I mean, it's other places. It's even happening. It's it's happening. It has happened in Washington D.C. and it is currently happening in Baltimore. Those are those are uh, slightly different issues than the South uh, as to that as to why that is. But yes, you can continue. <laughs> <laughs> Just so for to to get you guys thoughts, is it the source? Because like I said, my thought was it was the source. I think people once they saw that the tweet came from Pla- Planned Parenthood's black. Community, I think it is, is what the the Twitter handle is. Um, that's people got turned off because they are the ones who tweeted it out, as opposed to what they actually said. Yeah, I think with me, it's both the source and the what they presented seems to be a false dichotomy um, that um, more women die or more minority women die 
during birth than they would have in an abortion, that what they're implying is a conclusion is that, oh, instead of trying to give birth, you should get an abortion. That's almost what it seems to be implying. It's saying that having an abortion is, is a good thing. It's better than going to, to term with a baby because you'll have a higher chance of, of living than you would with having a baby rather than looking at the actual issue. Why is there a lack of mm-hmm. prenatal care? Right. How can we actually address this issue of prenatal care rather than let's just kill the babies. Let's, let's have abortions. So them, you can make, if, if you simply made the statement that, um, that a lot of, you could, throughout whatever number it is, I don't remember this many um, number of African American women are, are dying uh, during birth compared to other races and make that the issue. This is the issue we need to address. Right. Why are you throwing an abortion in there? What does that have to <laughs> do with right. the other? It seems that their Planned Parenthood is... You know, for the I know they have other services, but for the most part, how they are perceived, especially among the Christian community, and they know this, that they are perceived for uh, abortions. So you're gonna throw out that comment and saying that oh, less women die from abortion. You're you're being provocative, and you you are gonna you you did that intentionally. Right, so the exactly. fact that you're outraged that. Uh, people are upset like you you did that for a response what did you think people were gonna do um so now people are, are trolls because <laughs> because they have an issue of of with, of your what, first, yeah, yeah. with what you said well I, i'd be interested in hearing eve's commentary since eve is uh as the only person related. who could have a children yeah, <laughs> who could have yeah, a child more directly um, <laughs> more directly impacted by Planned Parenthood's services, uh, either you yourself or people that you know. Um, your pers- what's your perspective on the matter? Yeah, I actually have nothing to contribute to this other than what Daniel said. I really take a critical response to it to say, first of all, if you're talking about numbers, then that is a that that's in, that's irresponsible. You know, to to look at the numbers because obviously more women are in the pool of of people who have given birth than women who, even though millions of babies over the last 30 years have been aborted, the numbers are off. So you can't compare the number of women who have died because there are more women who have given birth than women who have, who have ended their, their, their pregnancies. And then the second one is just the fact that it's, that this is a provocative uh, tweet or series of tweets. And uh, the whole point is to say, something that they would not open their mouths or tweet and say, which is, well, you might as well um, save your life by, by having abortions. So, so it's really, I really have nothing to add besides what, what Daniel said, which is that um, this is about critical thought. People should look at this type of information from a critical perspective instead of just accepting what someone puts out there, especially when it comes from a source like that. There's a, there's a term called outrage media. The outrage economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if anybody's familiar with that term. Eva, it looks like you're familiar with it. No, no, I'm not familiar with the term. But clear yeah. What it yeah. Is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's about like um, if it bleeds, it leads. Yep. That mindset mm-hmm. uh, where I think it came from the movie Network back in the day. I think uh, 
at any rate, it has uh, manifested itself on the web as the outrage economy because now when you're competing at this point for eyeballs and attention, the attention economy, then you go further and further, you know, down mm-hmm. the down yeah, that rabbit the brainstem, yeah, yeah, yeah. so to speak, to things yeah. that are <laughs> yeah. more and more base, yeah, yeah, more and more um, uh, shocking and threatening in order to get attention. So, you know, I think that's exactly right. I think to your point and to what Dan said, th- although they the the tweet contained accurate information, they worded it in a way to what they knew what they were going to say because you could have easily just made the statement saying. A large number of African-American women died during childbirth. That's a scary statistic. And let's and, see and just, what we can do about right. this. How do we help? And just kind of leave it at that. But like everything, you know, in, in this worldly system, they have an agenda. So instead of just saying that and saying we want to help get better prenatal care to low-income women in these communities. Oh, won't you try an abortion? Like, won't you have an abort? Try an abortion because it's lower. It's like a lower death rate. It's like, uh, you have an agenda. Now you have an agenda. So now you're not just concerned about the mortality rates for women in, you know, lower income areas who go to full term at birth. You're also trying to, you know, push your agenda, which is, of course, you know, to to push abortion. So, again, my the the reason for bringing that up was, I mean, first, it was really smart on on their part right good on you for them if that's what they want to do smart in the sense that human beings nowadays you know are really about sound bites and they won't yeah. look at it critically mm-hmm. yeah. you know because if we would look at something like that critically then they wouldn't be be able to get away with it but just to, to stick with with our theme you know on 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 this you know this episode anyway is a lot of the outrage comes but if those same women go to full term, have, you know, have children, and those children grow up in this society, those same people who would have fought and advocated for that child to be born would let it go to schools in terrible situations, let it get incarcerated, let it get killed by the police or whatever. And I know I just painted a very grim picture, but well, that same level of fervor, right, right. The, the, the fervor that, that we have to, to come against Planned Parenthood, rightfully so. And I'm not saying killed amongst themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, that the fervor is not, you know, correct. No, I mean, because when I saw the tweet, I was kind of like, oh, that's, that, that's trash, right? But to have that same level of fervor going along with, you know, who's my neighbor and that kind of yeah. mentality, you know, as that child grows up and is born, have that same level of fervor to see the other aspects of, of that child's existence, yeah. you know. AJ, it's to important be, that yeah. our listeners understand that what you're talking about is supported by scholarship, the, the, the classroom to prison pipeline. These, these are the types of things that scholars have, have examined, especially over the past 15 years. Mm-hmm. And so this is a fact. So the people in, within our Christian communities who have talked against abortion, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about cradle to grave? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. then a couple of years, five years goes by, and that's when that classroom to prison pipeline, that there's a connection, just to be more specific, uh, there are a, you can actually predict prison population numbers 18 years um, out based on where students go to school, uh, especially with regard to socioeconomic conditions. Yep. And so um, if anything, there should be an equal, if not more emphasis, ministry-wise, uh, concerning eradicating that. So, yeah. Instead of having yeah. someone uh, avoid abortion and be born into that kind of environment. Well, so, And so here's the thing. 
if you eradicate that, then how does the state maintain its attractiveness? <laughs> it's 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 funny, how do but they that keep those roads pretty. No, yes, no, no, that that yeah. is the connection that people yeah. miss. That is why you can't have, for example, like a gun buyback program if you cannot deal with the NRA and if you can't deal with uh, the production of guns. The supply is the demand is the demand is still there. Like it's it's a gun buyback program has value, but it needs to be something that's comprehensive. So. Again, guns are still being created. They're bought. Legally, people go across states. They, 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 they pick them up. There's so many different ways. Like there's a thirst. There's a thirst for violence in this country. You can't just say, "Well, you know, let's just have a gun buyback program, and then that's going to like fix stuff." It's, yeah. Yeah. No, uh, just in uh, a Second Amendment, like yeah, yeah just yeah, just uh, yeah, just to what your point is, Avery. I think the issue is i mean yeah that is an issue how are they gonna maintain the roads and everything else but i mean it's just something we're gonna have to adjust the way we live life we're gonna have to do things differently I think we, we're not going to be able to um, i just think he was speaking to motive you know the yeah. motive of the system to continue to have this because you yeah. know as time goes on even those people who have been offenders are still like you mm -hmm. people say well if you don't do the if you don't want the time don't do the crime but you did your time for the crime and unfortunately you're being punished until the end of your life in one way or the other. So, so that's, so the question is, does this system require, does this type of yes. capitalism require this type of, uh, of yeah, system, and of that's, this punitive that's I, system? That's what I mean. We need to change the way that we do things. We need to change the system. Um, so it, the whole, the whole system needs to go and needs to be restructured from the from the ground up and that's how we would have to do things but i mean that's that's kind of another discussion in and of itself but as believers yeah that more so to aj's point we need to be concerned for the whole life from the from the womb to the tomb uh, we need to be concerned about their our neighbor not just our neighbor who's a fetus our neighbor who's a baby who's right. a child who's an adolescent who's an adult we need to be concerned with them at all stages of life and it should be expressed through not just through our anti-abortion campaigns yeah or not not just yeah through that or through uh you know advocating for marriage but you know it should be expressed you know in our theology for social justice as well you know, definitely. I think, and you know, as 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 I always say, you know, Christians, we just got to do better. I think that that sums up, you know, that sums up the majority of our shows. But I think that if nothing else, that definitely sums up this show. We we got to do better. Um, dust off your and, Bibles. Let's, yeah. let's just dust off. Let's Bibles. Start start by doing that, right? <laughs> start by dusting off your Bible. But you know, as as it pertains to whether it's sexual misconduct, right, or if it's abortion or any, you know, all of these things that that we discussed. Um, getting out in front of things before they become a big, you know, nuclear mushroom cloud. It's, it's doing doing better, seeing things and acting, and 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 not being afraid to, at a minimum, speak on it. Right? Don't you know? Don't don't be afraid to to speak on it because there's power in 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 our words. There's there's power, and so 
not just speaking, but speaking and, you know, keeping God in the mix. And so, you know, like as I always like to say, I keep God in the mix and will do so until they put me in the ground. So we thank y'all for rocking with us this week. Again, we're glad to be back from our little mini, mini hiatus. And we're going to keep things pumping out for y'all. So for Avery, Eve, and Dan, this is AJ saying thank y'all. Peace. Peace, Peace y'all. Later. Let's get started, I won't teach you Let me set apart who is my people The ones who set in their heart to be believers Press on to the mark to follow Jesus When it gets hard, they be seeking the leaders Fathers that help them heal when they are beaten Or help them see the meaning when they're grieving Don't follow their feelings, that'll be misleading they the ones that keeping it biblical Keep it 100 when others saying it's fictional A relational life, that is how it's scriptural A stay in the light while cats be living typical Integrity be chose cause folks is hypocritical Religious midwit, man that is how they picture you Wishing you would go the way of the extinction